Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyerup904.com. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you first and foremost to say thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my friends. And thank you for this day. But right now, more importantly, thank you for meaningful football in December. Come on, somebody. I, I don't get into a lot of that as much as I want our team to understand that we, we need to be playing meaningful football games in December and January. And that's we've put ourselves in that position. And so I'm proud of the guys for doing that. Turn and goal from the 10. Trevor drops again. Fires right side of the end zone. That ball is caught for the touchdown. You know, our season could have gone sideways three, four weeks ago. Shotgun for Trevor. Four-man front. He drops the throw. Looks. He hit. He sacked. The ball came out. He was sacked and the ball came out and the Jets have it. You know, and, and um, the guys weren't going to let that happen. To look at just where we were and, and where we are now, and but just to see how the team's grown and, and the coaches, the confidence they've had in us. I've, I've said it a couple of times. I think, you know, the staff and especially Coach Peterson has had belief in us even when maybe we didn't at the beginning, you know. I don't get caught up in, in all the storylines and, and, and all that that could the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. It's just a matter of those guys in that dressing room believing in themselves and, and getting the job done. Things were crazy, and I think just him having that confidence in us is we kind of realized like we have something special here, and uh, we had to kind of figure out what we wanted to do before it got too late. And you know, we made adjustments and really started playing our best ball at the right time. And it's about getting better every week. And, and this one, this one ain't gonna carry over in Houston next week. So we got to go back to work. And um, but I just love, love the momentum, the energy we have right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I need y'all right here. I need y'all right here. And the people of the county said, Duval. P.S. It was always the Jags. This boy's got a what? This boy got a hit. Come on, somebody. (laughs) 1010XL 92.5 FM presents... Jaguars today with your host Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Jeff Lagerman, and E to the T. All right, good morning, everybody. Hope you had a great Christmas holiday weekend. And how nice was it to wake up on Christmas morning and see the Santa stuff? The first place, Jacksonville Jaguars in your stockings, everybody. That's right. We know it. Week 18, a de facto playoff game, although the Jags are more alive for the wild card than you thought they might have been just a couple of weeks ago. Welcome in. It is a Check the Tape Tuesday. we got to go way back to last Thursday to check any tape here. Uh, good morning, Tony Smith. How are you? Doing well. I had a um, – my breakfast bowl record is getting worse and worse by the week. Like, it's been a real slump coming down the stretch here, but pretty much everything else in fantasy this weekend went as planned. Yeah, he's bringing it up because he beat me <laughs> twice head-to-head, and uh, I, I felt so bad about it, I stayed down at the South Campus today. I, I was about to in. ask, are you snowed in? What's going on here? No, I'm not snowed in. Um, it's a, it's a, on assignment as uh, yeah. is the typical ex, uh, excuse and or reason uh, for not being there, but congrats to you, and I will be eating heartily on Thursday. I, I need double my typical order oh. uh, this Thursday. Uh, Jeff Logman, <laughs> hope you had a nice Christmas. We did. We did, Mike. Thank you very much, and hope you, you the same. And uh, it's good to be back, though. It's good to be back where we're at. 
baby, we're in first place logs. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. It's you know, fantastic. and honestly, uh, depending on whether or not the Jags get flexed to Sunday night, it's not that complicated for Jacksonville to actually make a wild card. Let's say they did get flexed to Sunday night football in week 18, okay? There are only five other outcomes other than Jacksonville beating Houston this upcoming week. They got to do that uh, to be viable for the wild card. But if the Patriots, Seahawks, and Ravens beat the Dolphins, Jets, and Steelers respectively, and they're all going to be favored at home this week. And then in week 18, the Bills over the Patriots, the Jets over the Dolphins, uh, that would be the only road team that would need to win. The Jags could conceivably know that they could lose and still get a playoff spot. Obviously, they're playing for the division title in a home game, and there's a lot on the line logs. But I just think it's amazing that they have this many outs considering where they were about a month and a half ago. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. But, uh, you know, the, the wild card situation is great. But I don't see the Jets beating anybody right now, <laughs> even the Miami Dolphins without Tua. But because uh, they're kind of in free fall a little bit like Tennessee. But Mike White back to save the day. Logs. Yeah, Here we go. no, I know, you know, but uh, can he do it? I don't know. Look, but uh, the, the, the best part and the best way to get in is to go in hot. And that's going in winning. Yeah, and that's what oh, you want to no do. Doubt. That's what you want to do from a from a mindset standpoint, uh, fan standpoint. And and having that game at the bank, you know, in a what, week and a half would be tremendous yeah. if they can get a win. Because, I mean, look, this fan base has undergone a lot. I mean, the worst team in football for two consecutive years, and to be able to have a home playoff game would be incredible. And to have a playoff game environment with the last regular season game on the line against a division rival that really got you back in 99 for some of the long-term fans that remember. You aren't kidding. Doesn't get any better. No, it really doesn't. And I was thinking about it on the way in today, Logs, where we'll see what they do week 18, right? But an opportunity in front of them with that franchise coming to town with the division championship on the line. I mean, you think about what the home fans have seen this year. They saw the blowout win over the Colts to start the year. They were one yard away from beating the Giants, right? A yard away on that Christian Kirk play from beating the Giants. They come back against Baltimore. They come back against the Raiders. They had that win a couple weeks ago against Dallas. I can't remember there ever being a home schedule and season that has played out in front of these fans in this town the way that it has to this point. And you can cap it off going into the playoffs with the Titans in your building oh. and the division on the line. I, I, The scenario is just perfect. I, you bring up a great point in that uh... – the football here in Jacksonville this year with the Jaguars has been really good. I mean, really good. Yeah. I mean, for the people that have come to the stadium and had an opportunity to see it firsthand, they have not been disappointed. Well, let's say hello to E.T. Uh, and find out what he was up to this Christmas weekend. E.T., uh, did Santa bring you some nice things in your stocking? Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay. <laughs> no. Jackson, Jackson first place, not good enough for you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Santa ain't bring me that. Them, Trevor, Trevor and, 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 right. and the Jaguars brought me that. All right, that's fine. But uh, how, how about your mom? Did she have a nice Christmas weekend? Yeah, everything was good. Christmas was cool, man. I spent it actually uh, at, in the shelter. I brought uh, all the socks and everything. I delivered it to the shelter and spent some time with them. And we talked a lot of Jags over there, so it was cool. Well, everybody uh, wanting to get in on it, and uh, good for you, E.T., doing some good stuff out there. Uh, today, we invite you, Tony, as we always do, to uh, for folks to send us their Jaguar thoughts and questions for 
Jeff Lagerman this morning. You can do that at 641-1010 on the phone lines or the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Or, of course, uh, hit us up on Twitter as well. The Chad and Sandy Real Estate Question of the Day just simply asks, what are your questions for Jeff Lagerman? And hit us up on Twitter at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, at Logs56, and at IME2, the T. Come on, somebody. There we go. Come on, somebody. <laughs> there he goes again uh, as he's getting in the holiday spirit. We still got New Year's coming up. We got one more holiday to celebrate Sure. Uh, here on Jaguars today, and hopefully we're ringing it in with a uh, playoff appearance for this Jacksonville Jaguars team. Jeff, um, wanted to ask you with – we mentioned the scenarios at least out there for the Jags in the wild card. We were discussing it briefly last week, not too in-depth, about the opportunity that could be in front of them if – Tennessee were to lose this past weekend we you needed them to lose that weekend or coming up on Thursday night against Dallas to guarantee that the week 18 game was going to be for the division championship right so with them not necessarily needing the game against Houston are there any players anybody on the roster that getting ready for this game against the Texans this weekend that you would be a little bit more wary of playing anybody on that offensive line where you're already dealing with some injuries? How much would you protect Trevor potentially in this kind of game? Um, what Would you, that even be a consideration with the wild card still being a possibility for the team? Well, let me say this, and that um, the, the last game obviously is the win and end game. But no if, doubt. if it ends up in a tie, what happens this coming week matters. Mm-hmm. You know, So from that standpoint – I think that you look at this game from a must-win standpoint. Uh, I don't think you change anything that you would do for a game in which you're expecting everybody to play, you're wanting to win, you need to win, just because you want to be able to carry that momentum into the playoffs. And then if all of a sudden you have a game that you view as a practice game, because that's what you would essentially be doing if you're resting guys, then what does that do to the psyche? What does that do to the rhythm that you've been developing? Mm-hmm. I think it changes it. And uh, so, no, I, I think you play this game like you would any other, and you still make the decisions based upon can this player play or can he not, not based on, okay, the last week we're going to be just fine and we're going to get him ready for that game. No, no, if he can play this week, you play him this week. I got to wonder what the approach of the Texans is going to be here. You know, after beating Tennessee, they are a half game from giving up the number one pick in the draft. And I know the players who go out there are going to play hard logs because that's what players are supposed to do. But Chicago's lost eight in a row. Wouldn't take much for them to lose nine in a row. And if Houston messes around and wins another game, they're not in control. Now, Chicago's not likely to draft a quarterback, but – Somebody might trade up in front of Houston in that case and not allow the Texans to get their quarterback of their choice. So I wonder organizationally what the feeling is behind the scenes. They'll never admit to it, but I wonder if they are kind of content with the uh, the draft position that they're holding right yeah, now. Yeah, and, and as part of the you can't even have that as part of the conversation if you're the Houston Texans. And the only person that speaks to the media from the Texans organization is Lovey Smith and. Lovey Smith has them playing very good football. Look, they won this past week. They were in the two previous games. Uh, so they what? They beat uh, Dallas. They beat Dallas, right? They, they beat Tennessee. Okay, and they beat then Ten- they Tennessee went and they close had, with Dallas and Kansas City. Yeah, and then yeah. Dallas and Kansas City were tight ball games. So 
Look, uh, I think they're playing very well. And, and Lovey Smith said something uh, this week that I thought was, was pretty poignant. He said, look, we have an opportunity to finish the season with a winning record in the AFC South. And that's really what he's pointing to his football team about. And an opportunity to potentially sweep the division champ. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I think that they're going to be playing for for victories. I don't see them doing something to make sure that they ensure themselves the number one overall pick. But uh, but you never know. <laughs> you never know. It's I mean, but here's the thing: if they do something, we'll never hear about it. If they do something to the point to where they are trying to lose the game, sure. And unless ownership or somebody's going to step in, it certainly doesn't sound like Lovey's going to bite that bullet. Well, Lovey's not going to do it. Yeah. Look, Lovey's trying to keep a job. Yeah. I mean, if you listen to Lovey's press conferences, it's like every week he's selling the media and the people that will listen about, well, we fight hard, you know, we're learning, you know, we got to go through these things to build and all those kind of things that you know, he's trying to keep a job. And if, and if, and if they, unfortunately, if they lose out and get the number one pick, Lovey might not be, have a job. You know, so uh, it's kind of a weird situation to be in if you're if you're the head coach. Just getting started here on a Check the Tape Tuesday on Jaguars Today with Jeff Logman, Mike Dempsey, E.T., myself here with you. And we'll continue to pepper uh, Jeff Logman with questions as we go through the next couple of hours. You can get in on Twitter. You can dial us up as well, 641-1010. We'll get to as many of your phone calls as we can as we get ready for a Week 17 matchup against those Houston Texans and look back at the Jaguars' win against the New York Jets last Thursday as we get it rolling here on a Tuesday edition of Jaguars Today on 1010XL. Everything you need to know about the Jags. Jaguars Today on 1010XL. Rolling along here on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Tony Smith, Mike Dempsey, Jeff Logman, E.T. here with you. And we were just discussing on the break, Logs, the – I keep getting asked by the fans, when are they going to announce the schedule for Week 18? When are they going to announce the schedule for Week 18? And probably not until after Monday Night Football next week would be my guess is when you'll see the – nobody officially knows when they're playing in week 18 yet it's all to be announced so I'm guessing it's all going to come out next Tuesday pretty quickly after the result of Monday Night Football between Buffalo and Cincinnati which is a big one obviously yeah I would be I would be surprised if it ends up on Saturday just me just because what uh when, when does Tennessee play this week Thursday exactly yeah okay so that would give Tennessee more than a week, and then would put the Jaguars in a short week, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a Saturday game, I think from a competitive standpoint, I don't, I don't know if, if the league would want to do that. But uh, then again, in the past, a lot of times decisions have been made by the league <laughs> that aren't necessarily in the best interests interests of this football team. Yeah. So uh, I hope it's not Saturday. I hope it's on Sunday at some point. Well, and I can understand if they look at say, the Cincinnati-Baltimore game and say that's a more compelling matchup for them, right? Like, for the league, that's a more compelling matchup. But if both teams are in the playoffs at that point, wouldn't you rather have the playoff game, you know, on uh, your well, on Sunday Night Football? Yeah, th- like, that's the way I would look at it, I but think I don't know a, if the league will. I think it's a strong chance because if it's, it's a standalone game, which means that uh, there, and I don't think there's there is there any other game that right now you could say that okay it doesn't matter what happens this week 
that game means win and you're in. I don't think there's any other game right now that's in the same category. Uh, so from a league standpoint, if you want to have the most important game with everything on the line, I think it would be the Jaguars-Tennessee. But uh, who knows? Uh, maybe there are other games that could end up being that important without having outcomes of other games interfere with the importance of another game. Yeah, I wonder, uh, too, I think Green Bay and Detroit play yeah. uh, in Week 17, right? And we know Green Bay now, if they win their last two and Washington loses at least one, Green Bay will get in. So conceivably, like if Washington were to lose this week and Green Bay wins, that would set up potentially, depending on what Detroit does, it may be those two playing for a wild card spot and the loser goes home as well. So we're not necessarily the only one, but uh, I, I don't know if it matters that much, Logs. I kind of want to get to it and kick that thing off. You know, it's going to be a little nerve-wracking waiting around all day. Would you, as I'd rather a player, have 4 o'clock. Four o'clock, or yeah. what, what? Four o'clock as opposed to one o'clock. Why would that be your preference? Um, from a from a player standpoint, yes, I I would like to have four o'clock for for a couple reasons. One, you don't you're not sitting around all day. That's the one mm -hmm. thing about night games is that it's, it's the anticipation. It kind of you like kind of over it. Yeah, you like the night game just from the standpoint that's a national TV game. The exposure is incredible. But uh, for me, the four o'clock game I think would be would be amazing. It would also be amazing from fan standpoint, and that uh, you allow people to tailgate and then have a little post tailgate. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I don't know. I mean, look, either one of them would work, and it doesn't matter. You're going to line up and play and have in <laughs> playoff sure. atmosphere. The excitement of a game of that magnitude for for players is is amazing. I've joked around about it before. If if it was up to me, they'd kick off at one o'clock every week. Like like I do like my schedule with the one o'clock kickoff. I don't care about West Coast. They got to play at ten a.m. their time. That's their problem. Kick it off right. at one o'clock. You know, like that kind of thing. But from a fan perspective, I'm with you, Logs. Like yeah. they are. That's why they keep asking me when are they when are they going to announce this schedule? When are they going to? They want to be Sunday night football. You can feel that they want it bad yeah. uh, to be Sunday night football for that week eighteen game and. We'll see if they get their wish. There's a couple things. We'll see what happens in week 17. I, Again, I wouldn't be surprised from a league perspective if they look at it and say if there really is a playoff spot on the line in that Detroit-Green Bay game, like the winner is in, the loser is out in the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the game they put on Sunday Night Football because they'd rather have Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football. Well, I can tell you that they yeah. would. I, yeah. I mean, the league would rather have that because they're bigger markets uh, and you got a you know franchise that's been around forever. It's a heritage franchise. Sure. The Jaguars are not in that category. The Tennessee Titans are not in that, that category. So, yeah, but look, it doesn't matter. You know, there's going to be a lot of attention on that game regardless whether it's no know, Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, Saturday night, it doesn't matter. It's going to be very exciting. I just hope, again, that from the Jaguars' standpoint, that it doesn't create a short week. If it does, it's still the excitement will be there and this team will be ready to play. It doesn't matter. But just you'd like to have a normal week of preparation for a game like this. Yeah, especially, like you said, with Tennessee having the extra – few days regardless you got to wonder what they've got left I mean coming in oh they're in obviously they I right I mean you know there's not going to be Ryan Tannehill you're going to get Malik Willis who has not shown the ability to throw the ball at the NFL level consistently at all Derrick Henry uh was listed as a 
uh, non-participant in practice. I think it was an estimation. I don't think they actually practiced yesterday, but with a hip injury, so there's a lot of talk about them holding Derrick Henry out this week and have him fully ready because, again, you know, the wild card is not out of the question for either one of those teams, Jacksonville or Tennessee, but I think they're looking at it as like, man, we're probably not beating Dallas <laughs> regardless of what we do right now. Let's put all our our uh, chips in the middle of the table and try to beat Jacksonville. So I would not be surprised, Logs, if they, based on their opponent on a short week, if they don't slow play some of their banged-up players in, in the hopes of having you know enough guys healthy to, uh, to pull off the win in Week 18. Well, if there was one guy that they could hold out, it might be Derrick Henry. I mean, he's – look, if he doesn't play in the last week, the Titans have zero chance of winning. I mean, he is the engine of that franchise right now, especially with Malik Willis at quarterback. I mean, his his performance are abysmal. I mean, he has virtually no impact on the game whatsoever. How much have you watched him when he's played? Uh, I, I watched a little bit this morning of him against Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, not very good. Uh, not very accurate. <clears throat> and when he does get completions, it's just little dinky stuff. You know, he, he can't push the ball down the field whatsoever. Derrick Henry's still the the man. You know, the, the one unfortunate thing about Derrick Henry this past game, he fumbled again. You know, we saw Shaq Quarterman plaster him, and he fumbled, which is kind of rare because it was just you don't see that kind of hit on him very often. Well, he coughed it up this past game, and he got the ball pulled out, Yeah, which that's uncharacteristic of Derrick Henry. So he's fumbled the ball, I think, three times in the last three or four ball games, which he never does that. So – I think that if I'm Tennessee and you want to give yourself the best chance to win, I think you you, you do you rest him this week and then play him in the last week. But at the same token, if he plays this week, he's got extra rest going into the final week. So, yeah, uh, you know it's it's going to be an interesting situation. And Mike Vrabel, look, remember back when the Jaguars were getting ready to face him, they fired their general manager, and everybody's like shocked. Mm-hmm. Well, look at them now. I mean, there was a reason why. John Robinson was let go as general manager of the Tennessee Titans. I mean, right now they don't have the personnel to finish the season in any any form or fashion of a quality football team because they just don't have the quality depth or the talent on that team. Now, Logs, this is officially a Check the Tape Tuesday, but I'm going to tie this in because obviously we're very interested in looking ahead here a little bit, and it's okay. We're allowed to. Um, I, I got to believe – look. Chris Trevler came in cold and ran a bunch of RPO quarterback run stuff. Don't you think Malik Willis, that's what's going to be the game plan? We're going to get a ton of Malik Willis running the football, whether it's RPO, whether Derrick Henry is 100% healthy or not. So let me ask you, uh, with Trevler coming in, was it just a case that the Jags had not prepared for him to play, that they anticipated it would be Flacco if they made a switch? Um, Or was there something about the approach the Jets had when he was in there that enabled them to move the ball more successfully on Jacksonville than at any point in that football game? Well, I think it was one of those situations where you're not really preparing for that style of offense, so it catches you a little bit off guard. And then from the personnel standpoint, are you prepared for that? And look, uh, when Tebow came in, because that's what I'm calling (laughs) Strevler, it's all it was was a Tebow offense. I mean, it was going to last for a little bit, but the guy didn't have an arm. And so – I was kind of in the booth sitting there going, all right, when's this gimmick going to stop? And they kind of kept doing it, and they had some success. I'm like, all right. So I got a little bit nervous, Mike, 
But I never got concerned in that ball game just because when the tight end was wide open down the field, and I think it was using yeah, was wide open down the field, and Strebler couldn't even throw the ball anywhere close to him to where he would catch it on his feet and go. I said, I'm not worried about that yeah. guy. And he had a couple of those like outcutting routes to the sideline, and it was like, whoa. And, he, and he's got a weird throwing motion. Yeah. It, uh, and I don't know how to describe it, but it's just odd. And he had no arm strength, and it was a gimmick situation. But, man, what does that tell you about the Jets quarterback? When they, when they bench their second overall pick for Tebow, the Canadian <laughs> Tebow? I mean, wow. How do you feel in general about – we talked about this defensive struggles against that kind of quarterback, right? The quarterback that's the more mobile guy. Daniel Jones heard him on it early on in the year. Lamar Jackson heard him on it a little bit in that Baltimore game, obviously, as well. But it did feel like they got better against that kind of stuff as the year went on. Do you have the same kind of sense, considering they likely are to see Malik Willis in Week 18? I think they're fine. And the one thing I think that's changed a little bit schematically is that uh, they they were doing some of the read stuff with that option, that read option stuff, so they would have guys feather, you know, the mm-hmm. the dive. Do you, do you have a guy kind of playing the dive and you also have playing the keeper? And this time, and what you're seeing now is they're committing guys. One guy takes the runner. The other guy takes the quarterback. Yeah, I saw Josh Allen crashing hard. Yeah, so you're starting Thursday, to see yeah. some of that, and that that was good to see. And that's you know, that's the style of defense that the Jaguars used to play when Todd Walsh was the defensive coordinator. Now with Mike Caldwell, they've they've kind of come around to that. So that's good to see. And and I think this past game, some of the instances with Strebler where they just missed some tackles. Yeah. And so I don't think it was a matter of okay, the scheme wasn't ready for it. It was just missed tackles or just performance and not so much scheme. How much from a personnel perspective getting ready for that kind of quarterback, are they affected by the loss of Dewan Smoot? And who is the better linebacker to have on the field between Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma for that kind of game? I think it's pretty even right now between those two guys. I think Devin Lloyd has gotten better, which is good to see. And Chad, you can still see he's trying to get his ankle underneath of him, I think, is a good way to describe it. Because, you know, he had an ankle injury, and, you know, he look, he played this past game against the Jets. They were kind of almost 50-50 in snap counts. I'll probably look it up. Maybe I'm off a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it seemed to be more balanced. The week before, it was mainly Devin Lloyd, and then Muma was pretty much special teams and then just a few snaps on defense. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward, the healthier that Muma gets. But the good thing is is that Devin Lloyd seems to be playing better, and Chad Muma seems to be getting healthier. So that's a good situation to have. It's always better if you're a coach and you're trying to make a decision with two guys that are playing better. What about the loss of DeJuan Smoot along that defensive hurts. front? It hurts. I mean, he's productive. You know, He's productive in the run game. He's productive in the pass game. He, I think, is a guy that gives you positional flexibility. He can play inside and sub. He can play outside. He is uh, relentless, and that's one of the qualities that I've always loved about Smoot. You know, he plays hard. He's kind of one of those guys in the category like Rayshon Jenkins. You just know what you're getting every week. You know, you're not going to get a dominant effort every week or performance every week, but you're going to get dominant effort, and that's the kind of guys that – that helped make the, the merry-go-round, you know, kind of 
kind of terminology on defense, and I like them, and, and it's unfortunate. It was a complete um, freak thing. You know, you watch it on film, and he wasn't pushing off against anybody. He was just uh, trying to get off and uh, get off the line of scrimmage with a fast start and planted that foot, and you could just see that it just gave out on him, and that's any, unfortunate. Any sense for how close Walker was to being able to play last Thursday? No. Um, no, and I, I'm hopeful that he's going to be ready to go this week, and from what I understand, they're hopeful too. But uh, hopeful and ready to go kind of are two different things. And, that, hmm. and look, uh, the reality is I was asked this question by some of the New York media. I did a pregame show with uh, Greg Buttle and, and the Jets Network, and they asked me about Trayvon Walker being out. And I said, well, I said, you know, I, I'd like to be able to say that it's a big loss, but right now it's, it, it is from the standpoint of first and second down mm-hmm. and that Trayvon's a physical presence and he's really good and stout against the run. Now, uh, this is a week that you like to have him because Houston runs the ball a lot. Tennessee also likes to run the ball a lot with their big back that we know Derrick Henry. So, I mean, you'd like to have him back, but from – like the Jets game standpoint where it's more pass rush, it's more athleticism, you're not worrying about stopping a dominant run game. I thought Smoot and Arden Key would have been the better options anyway. But uh, now that Smoot is out, yeah, you'd like to have him back. We'll get out to the phone lines for the first time when we return on the other side here, 641-1010, if you have any questions. For Jeff Logaman here on this Check the Tape Tuesday, we'll continue to look back at last Thursday. So any questions about the Jets games, uh, feel free to bring him on in. And if you want to ask about the final two games of the season, we're not afraid to talk about that today, obviously, as that's been the majority of the conversation through the first half hour. But we'll open up the phone line, 641-1010. As we continue along, it's a Check the Tape Tuesday with Jeff Logaman here on Jaguars Today on 1010XL. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday on Jaguars Today is brought to you by Famous Automotive Tire and Quick Lube, servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. Tony Smith, Mike Dempsey, Jeff Lagerman, and E.T. here with you on this Check the Tape Tuesday on Jaguars Today. What plays will you be breaking down uh, this week from last Thursday night, Jeff? Well, the, the play that I'm – going to do in the film room with a coach is going to be with Mike Caldwell and it was the Cisco sack which I thought was a huge play in that ball game because you know you turned the ball over you gave the Jets great field position and then you go three and out force them to a field goal and and it's probably not going to be a lot of fancy drawing but from the standpoint of disguising it how Cisco crept up from the distance now because Rayshon typically is that guy that's right up tight to the line of scrimmage. Cisco is a guy that sometimes it plays off and then creeping Cisco up late was a great play. And then social media, the, the two plays that I absolutely love was one, it was a screen to Evan Ingram and then he's got Christian Kirk and Zay Jones blocking for him out on the left side, which is like kind of counterintuitive <laughs> because you would expect that maybe, okay, throw it to Christian and let Zay and Evan be the blockers. Mm-hmm. But, man, he got great blocks by Zay and Christian, and Evan was able to split those two blocks and make a big gain up the Jets' sideline going to the end zone. And that was a big play in the ball game. And then when Evan Ingram flat-out smoked Sauce Gardner off the line of scrimmage and man-to-man, are you kidding me? Uh, That one got to have that one. I mean, that was just a big-time play there for Evan matched up against what uh, PFF – 
going into that game had rated as the top corner, the number one corner in the National Football League, and Evan Ingram smoked him. Hey, so Logs, Evan Ingram's had his best four-week run, obviously. I mean, he's been coming on uh, significantly over the last month. Why is that in particular? Did it's something different that he's doing? Or are they just deciding to make him more of a focal point in the game plan? What, why have his numbers gone up so much? I, I think a couple reasons. One is that Evan Ingram's performance has been good. We haven't seen him have the drops. This is one of the reasons why kind of he was not he's not in New York probably anymore. Mm-hmm. That has gotten a little bit more consistent. And one of the things you watch, I don't know if you guys have and had a chance to see this, maybe not because you're obviously involved in the pregame broadcast inside the stadium. But he does this drill with tennis balls and these light flashing glasses mm-hmm. that helps him concentrate and work on the hand-eye coordination. You know, one of the one of the great things about this football team with a Christian and Zay and Evan, these guys that they brought in, they work at their craft. And when you watch Evan really work at his craft with this tennis ball drill every game day in the morning, he goes out there and does that. And then to see the improvement, the consistency at catching the ball, look, the coaching staff sees that and the coaching staff see how, how he works. And then the performance of the quarterback has a lot to do with that, the emergence with Trevor and then Doug loves tight ends. You know, Doug Peterson loves tight ends. And they felt really good about the tight end matchup in that game as they did in some other ones just because Evan can run so well. But the surprising thing uh, to me for, for Evan, one, the consistency of catching, but number two, the blocking. You go back to the Dallas game, Mike, and the block that he did on Vander Esch was just a crushing block. And I think that was the block that took Van Der Esch out of the game. And, I, look, I'm not trying to say that that's a great thing, taking a player out of the game, but how physical he was in blocking a linebacker because if you're going to have a tight, on, tight end on the field, in order to get some better matchups, he has to be a respected blocker by the defensive coordinator. And Evan has been very respected as a blocker and has far exceeded what I expected out of him. Yeah, Dan Arnold was going to have his first two-catch game of the year, and that doggone mm-hmm. penalty yeah. took away that second catch Hey, I'm for still him. pushing for Manhurts to get one more, Tony. If he gets one more, he's going to have a career high. There we go. And as you said, Coach Peterson loves the tight ends. We'll see if we're able to get those two guys over that hump. Evan Ingram, obviously, red hot right now uh, for this team coming down the stretch, and we'll see how much they want to rely on him here in the final two weeks of the season. Let's get out to the phone lines for the first time. This morning on a Check the Tape Tuesday, we'll start with Mac on the north side, who's dialed us up at 641-1010. What's your question for Jeff, Mac? I actually have a comment for Jeff. Okay. I was listening to the uh, the uh, the uh, pregame jet show on uh, ESPN 98.7, and I heard the whole interview with Jeff, and it was real good, Jeff. Thank you, Mac. That's, that- that, that's, that's all. That that's, all, that's all I wanted to say. All right, Mac. Yeah, the uh, I went on with uh, uh, Brian and and Greg Buttle. And Brian, I can't remember his last name. He does the the pregame. He's the host. He does a great job. I've been on with him before. And then Greg Buttle, who used to play linebacker for the Jets. Well, and Mike, you'll probably remember his name very well because he was a linebacker with the Jets before I was drafted there. And uh, you know, good player and and. 
what we loved about Greg is that he had a bar restaurant right down the road from the Jets training facility. <laughs> and so we had, we had a philosophy, you know, that, uh, you know, Mondays you go in and you do your work on Mondays. And then afterwards we would gather at Greg's place uh-huh. and have a few drinks, have, you know, maybe a little bit of dinner or whatever. And so, uh, and Greg used to treat us right at the bar with the tabs, but you know, it wasn't free. Okay, but uh, but he was very nice to us. And Free-ish. We, we used to appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> Free-ish. Every, every couple of drinks was probably Yeah, free. we might get a little extra poor. Yeah, you know? something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, Jason has dialed us up from Indianapolis at 641-1010 as well. Jason, what's up? Hey, guys. I just had a, a question, uh, and this isn't just from the Cowboys game, but What's the difference with Rayshon? I mean, he's played awesome this year. Is it scheme? Is it man versus zone? I mean, like, what has been the difference? Because, again, not just the Dallas game. All year the guy has been an animal. So what, like, what, what is he doing differently or what are we doing differently for him? Appreciate the call, Jason. Yeah, and it's a great question, great observation. He's just he's playing really well. And what I love about Rayshon, which the, the first day that he got in here, and this was last year, was how much energy he carried with him. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were wanting to talk about Shaq Griffin last year because, you know, Shaq was, you know, media-friendly and a good interview. Rayshon, not as good of an interview, but when you watched Rayshon on the practice field, he really was the heartbeat of that defense. And then you know, he got hurt towards the end of last year, and obviously last year was, you know, kind of a mess. But I always appreciated how he came to play each and every week, how his energy level was high. He practices extremely well. And he had to earn his keep now. I mean, when he came back this year, uh, he wasn't this big free agent that's going to be given a position because he's working back from injury. He was one of these guys that had to kind of earn his way back into the starting lineup. And he did exactly that. And I think he's just gained a lot of confidence. And when he made that pick six against Dallas, you know, I said it in the broadcast. I said I'm not couldn't be happier for anybody more so than Rayshon just because he's consistent, he's got energy, and he really raises the level of the energy in the room around him when he's in a room. And that's those are the kind of players you want to have on a football team. Yeah, he's obviously stepped his play up this year, Logs. One guy that needs to do that and continue to do that uh, down the stretch here now is Walker Little. Cam Robinson officially on injured reserve. Big Will 904 on Twitter just asks, how did you think Walker Little played this week? I thought he was solid. Um, I think in the beginning of the game, you know, probably not as good as you wanted. He was going against Carl Lawson, who's a really good player, high-energy player that the Jets had signed the previous year in free agency from Cincinnati, and he was a high-energy player with Cincinnati, shorter guy. But uh, but I thought Walker settled down. And, look, uh, the more reps that he is going to get, the better he's going to be. The one thing I still want to see with him is that I want to see that competitive dog to the end of the play kind of thing. And that's the part I thought that he was missing in the battle with Jawan Taylor back in, in preseason in camp. And I think – and I think sometimes guys, they find that once they start gaining confidence and they get reps and they start believing in their abilities and believing that they can compete. And so I expect to see more from him uh, in that category. But uh, he's got the athleticism, Mike. He's got length. He's, uh, he's got the strength. He's got all the tools that you would expect from a franchise left tackle but the one thing he just hasn't had, he really is he hasn't had the opportunity because he hadn't earned it yet. Sure. So, so here we go. He's got a chance. We saw him 
get put into the game a couple weeks ago and did a, a good job against Micah Parsons. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then last week you, know, you Michael, mentioned – The one play, you know, he had like 20 snaps against Dallas and he gave up four pressures, and one of those pressures that he gave up took out the left tackle. So, I mean, that one game was not, I would say, a very good game. Gotcha. Uh, but it was good that he got his feet wet and that he settled down as the game wore on, but – and he sw- switched from left to, you know, to right in that game and, or from right back to left. Yep. And, and he did better when he was over on the left. You know, this past game, yeah, I, was, I thought it was pretty solid. How much of, you know, talking about that, that dog in him, right, which I think Cam does have. Oh, Cam's got all kinds of right? dog in him. Like he's the guy that's barking at the other sideline, you know, after yeah, which, plays. Which, by the way, uh, you know, that, well, the reports about Cam where people were saying that he had a meniscus, uh-huh. that's not true. Okay, and I'm not going to say what it is, but I just want to tell everybody the meniscus is not what it, what the injury was. Okay, with that because kind of meniscus, he might have been able to come back. Sure, no doubt. And with talking about the dog and Walker Little or the lack of it, how much of that just comes down to the personality of the guy, right? Like maybe he is just the more even tempered, and that's how he keeps himself going right. play to play, and. How successful can you be playing that kind of position when you're replacing a guy who does have that fire? Oh, yeah. By the way, and Cam Robinson, how successful can you be? Because I don't get the sense. I think sense. you got to have it. Until you got to have it, no matter what your personality is, you got to have the dog in you. And, and there's how much does ways. Juwan Taylor have that? It, well, there's a quietness to Juwan, right? Because he doesn't say hardly anything. Sure. But he's got kind of that that competitive dog in him. And when I say the dog, I mean, I'm not expecting guys to be, you know, vocal and, you know, they got to show that they're mad, but you got to compete to the end of the whistle. A lot of times what we saw in a preseason, Walker would, he would get beat and then he wouldn't finish. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's a way to finish until a last gasp attempt at keeping a guy from hitting your quarterback, even though you got beat, but still try to finish him, you know, to just get one little piece of him, you might save a play. And I, and, but I think that that's, also, like I said before, that's gained with confidence and gained with repetition. And look, he hasn't played a lot of football, you know, in a long time. And so part of that is is getting back into that groove and getting back the confidence because you haven't been there. And so, uh, like I said, I love his athleticism. I love his size. He's got good strength. And the more he plays, the better all around he's going to be. I can tell you this. There's not many backup tackles in the National Football League that have the size, the athleticism, and the strength of Walker Little. I, 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 I challenge anybody to bring mm-hmm. me a backup tackle that has that kind of those three categories in the National Football League. I don't think you'll find it. And you're probably not going to be talking about a backup talk tackle all that much longer. No. Uh, in all likelihood here in Jacksonville when we're talking about Walker Little. But he's going to be the starter for the next few weeks. And we'll see what that looks like, hopefully, uh, getting ready for the playoffs for Cam Robinson. That's a story to be talked about as we get down uh, the road a little bit here for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll continue to open up the phone lines to you, 641-1010. Any questions that you want to send on social media as well, we'll get those along to Jeff Logman as we continue along. It is a Check the Tape Tuesday here on Jaguars Today on 1010XL. Check the Tape Tuesday with Jeff Lagerman. Brought to you by Famous Automotive Tire and Quick Lube. Servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL.
Continuing along here on this Check the Tape Tuesday, Tony Smith, Mike Dempsey, Jeff Lagerman, E.T. here with you. We'll get back out to the phone lines here in just a moment. It does seem to me, Jeff, that the – I get it. They gave up 34 against Dallas, you know, a couple weeks ago. It's not like the defense was outstanding that day, but opportunistic. Yeah. Right? And have been – it feels like that's what they were early on in the season, forcing the the volume of turnovers that they were forcing and then had that big lull in the middle of the year where it's like, where did it go? They just weren't forcing any of those kind of turnovers – and then here in the last two or three weeks, it seems like it's been back. Is there any explanation for the lull or why the turnovers are back, apparently, for this defense? Well, I think they're just playing better. Uh, when you uh, are more aware of assignments, when you're better prepared, when you have a better plan, then you have more people closer to the ball. And better things happen when you got more people close to the football. And that's, I think, you know, give some credit to Mike Caldwell because – this defense had regressed, and it was in a, a stretch of games there to where it was like, oh, my gosh, is this team ever going to get better on the defensive side of the ball? And there was some serious concern about it. You know, Doug Peterson talked about, hey, we need to get better, just keep working. And and they started to go – remember, the, and part of that stretch, Trey Herndon was inactive. Well, then all of a sudden they bring Trey back to being active. They start playing more zone concepts, and I think they settled down. And that's been a good thing to see. And I think that's been a big reason why. And, and now that they've got their, their eyes more on the ball, playing a little bit more zone, I think it's been advantageous for everyone involved. It, it suits, it's, I think it suits Tyson Campbell's game a little bit better. It helps a Devin Lloyd who was having some tr- struggles with some eye discipline. Mm-hmm. And it helps a guy like Trey Herndon because Trey's a good player uh, not a great player, but a good player when he's allowed to play into some zone concepts. And when he gets in man, obviously he struggles a little bit. But I think that's been a very, very good thing for the defense is playing some more zone. And then the opportunistic style uh, can win. And hopefully they continue to be that way. You know, Logs, uh, infamously your era of Jaguar football helped retire Kelly and Dan Marino. Uh, played their final games in defeat against the Jaguars. Add Zach Wilson, perhaps, to the all-time greats list. I can't see him <laughs> starting again for the New York Jets at the very least, man. I, I Look, that game plan, the, the Jags defense played outstanding, right? They turned it over right away. Uh, they give up the field goal only because they forced the three and out, and they're already in scoring position, and no more points the rest of the way. But how much of that is – the fact that Zach Wilson is seemingly as incompetent as he is as an NFL starting quarterback, or do you think that 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 as you mentioned, the Jet, uh, the Jags defense is just overall taking a, a step up as we approach the end of the season? Well, I think it's a little bit of both because I mean, you know, look, uh, we watched the game and there was a couple throws that Zach Wilson had that weren't even in the right zip code. You're like, geez, that's just terrible. I mean, he can't hit an open guy when you've got a clean pocket and he's standing right there. I mean, that was uh, concerning, and some of the Jet fans, I mean, once he misses one or doesn't have some productivity, then the boo started, and it just seemed to compound the poor play by Zach Wilson, you know, which is unfortunate. You know, I, I never wish bad performance on any young player, especially in New York, especially with the intensity and the scrutiny that is upon him. And I believe he still has a very talented arm. He's got great athleticism. But right now, uh, I don't know, Mike. I mean, it might be a, a better 
or a different change of scenery for him yeah. might be the best thing. But the reality is you can't give up on a second overall pick quarterback in year two. You just can't. But it appears they have. Yeah, but you just can't. I mean, if 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 you want to bring I mean, in – I mean, Josh Rosen was 10th overall logs. They moved on from him after one year. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm not against you know saying, hey, look, let's go ahead and, and bring in another guy. Not against that. But I think you still got to continue to allow – that process to work, but you, you you don't bring him back saying, okay, you're the guy. But, you know, if you bring in a Garoppolo or you bring in somebody else and say, hey, look, you know, we're going to compete, then that may be the best thing for Zach Wilson. But if you trade him, you know, and all of a sudden he goes somewhere else because he does have a talent arm, he does have athleticism, you know, and he if he does get some good coaching because that's, I think, a big part of it, you know, I, I think you just it's too early to give up on it yet. And the contrast on Thursday was so stark, right? With these both these teams had two days to get ready, basically for this game on Thursday night football. You're not at, you're not even gonna have a real practice during the week, right? No, you have a walk couple walkthroughs um where you're installing whatever your idea for the game plan is gonna be. And when you see those two quarterbacks with those two coaching staffs on that field on Thursday night with the weather and the wind and everything else that was involved in that game, one team looked prepared and the other team looked like they had no chance from basically the jump uh, in that football game. And I continue to just be impressed that week to week, the advantage that Doug Peterson gives them and just his preparations and adjustments that he can make in-game, and you combine that with how well Trevor Lawrence is playing at the moment, uh, the Jags are going to be tough to beat for anybody. Well, that's the key, what you said right there, that you know, you've got a coach that the players believe in and you've got a quarterback that they believe in and is playing well. And when you have those two working together, it's, it's hard to get beat. And that's, that's the great thing about this year is that – First and foremost, we've got meaningful games here down the stretch. But this year was all about the quarterback. You know, was Trevor going to develop into a franchise quarterback? And we had a lot of doubts after that game in London against the Denver Broncos. But then since then, he's been marvelous. He's been fantastic. You know, and and everybody was rooting for him to kind of get through that tough stretch that he had just because he's been so consistent. We, We loved his maturity. And so to see him really develop, no, you got to give a lot of credit to the coaching staff, but you got to give a lot of credit to Trevor himself just because he's the guy that's got to make it happen, and he's been he's been fantastic. And it's been a year logs about putting an end to a bunch of streaks and those kind of things for this Jaguars team. Hopefully, they're ending a playoff drought uh, this year as well. But we, you mentioned the play against Denver and London. The reason that play hurt as much of it as it did was because of the play against Houston a few weeks before mm-hmm. in a 13-6 to six loss Almost for this team. Almost the exact team. same play. Exactly. And I'm curious to see, you, you talk about Trevor Lawrence bouncing back, right, like after the Denver game. I'm curious to see what that looks like against the other team that he had that kind of moment against as well as he's playing right now. He does – he talked about it a couple weeks ago in the media that he's got that chip on his shoulder. He's paying attention to what people have said, essentially, yeah. is what he said. And – what does that look like this week going up against the Houston team where you made that kind of mistake against in a 13-6 to loss? Well, when you, go to, when you go to play a team in the division for the second time, what's the first film you watch? First film you watch is the that previous game, no matchup. Doubt. And so he's going to get reminded of that play, and I think he's going to 
have a little bit of motivation in the back of his mind just because of that performance against that team cost this team a win at home. And I think he's going to be motivated to be able to have success against a team that he hasn't beaten yet before. So I think he'll play well. And well, because I understand it's different teams every year, but can you explain why the Texans have had the Jags numbers so badly? I understand the Jags haven't been great in this period of time, but the Texans haven't for several years at least. What gives? Well, the, I mean, the Texans for a while were pretty damn good, you know, when J.J. Watt and, and uh, Merciless was on their defense with the linebackers they had. I mean, they were Sean, good. Yeah. I mean, they're a good team, you know. Didn't have any dominant offenses of, of that kind. Now, in the last couple of years, I mean, that's a little bit of a question mark. You're dead on the money and say, well, how can that happen? Well, look, I mean, even though the Texans have been of a, a little bit of a dumpster fire, so has this team the last two years. You know, so uh, it is what it is. And, and I give Houston credit this year because the game plan that they had when they came to Jacksonville, I thought was outstanding. Real conservative, uh, playing, at, uh, playing it tight to the vest, hoping to get a low-scoring affair, make a couple plays and make a difference. In the ball game, that's exactly what happened. And Lovey Smith's a good coach. He's a good coach. I'm talking defensive mind, uh, sound football. I think there's some limitations with you know, his ability to influence the offensive side of the of the ball. But uh, but a good football coach, and he's a stabilizing force for the Houston Texans. And that's that's what that organization needed for where they were at. Phone lines are loaded up. We'll get back out to some of your calls on the other side here at 641-1010. I'll take you around the National Football League as well. As we continue along, it's a Tuesday edition of Jaguars Today, a check-the-tape edition of Jaguars Today. Jeff Logman, Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, ET here with you on 1010XL. Jeff Lyman Tuesday is kept running better than ever by famous automotive tire and quick lube, servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. Tony Smith, Mike Dempsey, Jeff Lagman, ET here with you as we continue along. Check the tape Tuesday. I like that jammy. What is that? Oh, this this uh maze. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you <laughs> Tell me what you want from me. You know, I never know the songs, Lars, but, you know, it just, just about. title. Yeah. That's uh. what we want. <laughs> yeah, that is what we want, a division championship. Let's get back out to the phone line, 641-1010. They are loaded up. We'll start with Abe in St. Augustine, who St. Augustine, who has dialed us up. What's going on, Abe? Hey, good morning, uh, Tony, Jeff, Mike, and E.D. What's up? I'm really excited. Uh, with the Jaguars like going to the or probably hopefully going to the playoffs this late in December, like last five years we have been, uh, you know, hoping for that. So I'm really excited. Uh, my question is though, like keeping an eye on the future for this organization, the AFC South with you know Houston having six picks coming up uh, within the next three drafts, uh, six first round picks, and uh, and then Colts having probably the top five picks next year. And then Sean Payton lurking around. What do you think, like from a Jaguar standpoint, what what is the expectation from the organization that these teams might be um, coming up as well, along with Jaguars and you know Tennessee is a so-so team. Uh, mm-hmm. But what, what is your thought on that? Thanks. I got two responses to that. Mm-hmm. One is we have a quarterback, and they have a lot of picks. Mm-hmm. What do you want to have? Quarterback. I'll take quarterback. Okay, known quantity. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Number two is, is that I'm not worried about next year until next year because it's so good to be in this moment with this football team, and they're not in the playoffs yet. You know, they've got to they've got to win some more, okay? But to be able to enjoy the ride that this football team is on doesn't give me any reason to look forward to anything else other than this year, just because the ride has been without many joys in the past couple years. So, uh, look, there's a lot of teams that have had great picks for many years that have been unable to climb out of a hole. This team is one of them. You know, for many years this team had a lot of picks and wasn't able to do anything with it. And you could go back and look at all the past failures that this team has had with draft picks. So just because teams have draft picks doesn't mean anything unless they utilize them in a very positive way. Well, and you can just look at what the Jaguars did post-2017, right? They gave Blake Bortles the contract. That didn't work out. Which was dumb. Yeah, obviously that didn't work out. So then you're chasing it, right? Like you have this defense that you have put together that carried you in 2017 to an AFC championship game, like carried you all the way. And Blake played really well at the end of that season and through the playoff run. And you give him credit for that, but he wasn't a franchise guy. No. Right? Hadn't played to that kind of level. So now you're trying to give that defense one last gap. They go pay all that money to go get Nick Foles, and that blows up in their face too. And so they've been searching. But but, but then they also ignored the obvious, which was they didn't have a franchise quarterback at that time. So that kept you from drafting a Patrick Mahomes. No doubt. Lamar Jackson. No doubt. I mean, you just you just can't ignore that. Yeah, and and they did, and so then they were left in that kind of wasteland, and that feels like if you're asking from the perspective of the other teams in the division, you can feel however you want to feel as good about this quarterback class coming up next year in the draft as whatever you feel about them. None of them are being talked about the way that Trevor Lawrence was coming into the league. Like, they're no. just not being talked about the same way. That doesn't mean that none of them are going to be successful. Odds are that – a couple of them will be, and good luck to the teams having to spin the roulette wheel to figure out who those guys are going to be, regardless of how good your draft picks are at the top of that draft. And the other side of that to me, Logs, is it is the sustainability that you get in your organization when you get quarterback and coach correct in today's NFL, and it appears that they have those two positions locked down uh, for the future at least for the short-term future of this organization but now you also have a responsibility to make everything else around coach quarterback as good as possible no doubt you know you gotta you gotta find a way to hit but they'll hide some warts that you have yeah they'll hide some warts that's what they do yeah and logs i mean this may be overstating it a smidge but i don't know if there is a team that could offer you all their assets outside of the quarterback position, that you would trade Trevor Lawrence and say, I don't want all those picks from Houston. You can give me your whole roster. I can cherry pick all the guys and give me the six first-rounders over the next three years. I mean, we've seen how easy it is to screw up multiple first-rounders in the same season. So I really don't think – I think Trevor Lawrence is in that category now where he is untouchable by the team that has him rostered. I don't think there's anything that the Jags would accept in – uh, you know, any kind of deal for Trevor Lawrence. So if that's the case, I wouldn't want to trade places with any of those franchises out there. Uh, the only ones are the exception are the teams that have a guy at or above his level. Which is very few. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, right, right now. I mean, if you look no, at, around you. the league right now, I mean, I remember a couple of years ago when we're getting ready for a draft, and and I said this. I said, you know, I said I would, and it was I think of the draft that the Jaguars had multiple first round picks, and I said, you know, you trade every single pick that you had, and arguably next year's draft in its entirety, to try to get Patrick Mahomes. No doubt. But sure. they, and the reality is, the Chiefs would not take it. No. Because that's the importance of the quarterback. Right. So, Yeah, and now uh, you're the guy with that guy. And, and here's the yeah. other thing. Right now you also have, because you feel like you've, you've got a franchise quarterback, okay, you've got some time now with financial flexibility to build a lot of things around him because his number is low. Yep. You know, soon you won't be in that situation where you're going to be, okay, and we got to manage the cap because we have – franchise quarterback who has a franchise quarterback contract which is going to be three four five hundred million dollar contract when he signs it yep I mean that's the reality so you have an opportunity here with a window that you can allocate some of those resources to everything besides Trevor so take advantage of that while you can by making good decisions, by making good draft picks, because the reason you want to make good draft picks is because that's going to help you handle the roster when Trevor does and is up for that next contract. But right now, you can make sure or you can spend a little bit of that money a little bit more freely until he gets to the point where you're going to have to start talking about second contract. Sure. Appreciate the call, Abe. Let's stay on the phone line. 641-1010 Clay out in Jack's Beach has given us a call. What's going on today, Clay? Gentlemen, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Thank you for everything you do uh, on behalf of 1010 and the Jags Nation. Uh, so a couple quick things. First off, my wife was pregnant with my son in 17. Now I'm walking my four-year-old and my two-year-old generation Jag all day. My question is completely opposite of Abe. I want you guys to have some fun with this. When we win the division, when we beat either the Ravens or the Chargers, what do we do in Buffalo? Jeff, you can take this one off. I know you got that player mentality, but the other guys, I want to hear. What do we do? Is the AFC Championship on the rise? And shout out to the White Wine Boys, Wes, Buck, Shemp, Jimmy. Love you guys. Thank you. Appreciate the call, Clay. I know I had friends over the uh, Christmas holiday dips who were asking me, um, and they're not big football fans, right? My, it's funny. Outside of the building I, and my parents, I don't have people who want to ask me about football unless I'm in the public, right? But my friends – we're like, they have that sense. They're in the city. They can feel it. What's going on with the Jags? They were like, how far do you think they're going to go? <laughs> like, what's your expectation for this team at this point? And get in first. Like, you mean the parade route? How far is right. the parade route going to go? And I told him, and honestly, this is where I'm at with it right now. I I think the Jags are going to win a playoff game this year. That, I do, too. That's, that's I don't think anybody's going to want to play them, Tone. Yeah, and divisional round is what I expect out of this football team, and we'll see if they're able to get to that. But yeah, I'm there. Divisional round is I what I expect. I just remember, I I'll, and I'll never forget this. You know, we we had the win and end scenario against Atlanta in 1996, mm-hmm. and we played as tight as we had played all year long. Right. Because we just it was the pressure. You know, we we were like this team in a lot of different ways, and it, look, we we were just playing. And then when we got to that game, it was, oh, my God. Now it's serious. If we win, (laughs) we go to the playoffs. Yeah. And we didn't play our best. And 
So that's why I say, you know, let's, let's you know, hold off on the parade celebrations and everything else. This team needs to get in because I'm just telling you, that game will be different from a preparation mental standpoint against Tennessee because it is the stakes are high. And so I hope this team can handle it, and I believe that they will with Doug at the helm. But it's still it's still there. It will make it will make uh, certain openings pucker up. Does the what happened in Detroit have any effect on that? Right? Maybe. Or is that too long ago? No, I think that, be... I think I think that helps. You know, the experience and the what they went through in Detroit, I think, helps because I think very similar to this past game. You know, this pass game helps, you know, because this was kind of one of those games you got to kind of win to keep your playoff hopes alive and to, to make that last season game against Tennessee a, a potential win and in scenario. Mm-hmm. So I think the previous experiences help, but it's still, it's just different when you get into that last game of the year and you have to win to get in. E.T., before we hit the break, want to hit the around the NFL, a little bit of news from around the National Football League right here. Now, Gems Around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. The Denver Broncos have fired head coach Nathaniel Hackett before he even finished his first year on the job. The Broncos are 4-11 this season and have named senior assistant Jerry Ross Rossberg as their interim head coach for the remainder of the year. Denver outside linebacker Randy Gregory has been suspended for one game without pay for violations of unsportsmanlike conduct and unnecessary roughness rules following the Broncos' loss this past weekend. Baltimore head coach John Harbaugh was noncommittal about quarterback Lamar Jackson being able to practice this week but did say that he believes Jackson will play again this season. Miami quarterback Tua Tungavailoa has been placed in the league's concussion protocol after showing symptoms on Monday following this weekend's game. His status for Week 17 against New England and beyond that is unclear. New York Jets quarterback Mike White has been medically cleared, and Ian Rappaport said yesterday that White will start against Seattle. Philadelphia right tackle Lane Johnson suffered an abdominal injury that will keep him out through at least the final two weeks of the regular season. His status for the playoffs is unclear, and Tampa Bay running back Leonard Fournette tweeted out on Monday that he is playing through a Liz Frank injury. When I saw it, I was like, oh, are you? And then deleted the tweet not long afterwards. So Leonard's letting out some of that medical information. The team, I have a feeling, got to his ear and said, hey, buddy. Let's keep that on the down low. Don't get us in trouble, Lenny. <laughs> right. Uh, with that kind of stuff. That is the news from around the National Football League. We'll get in a few more questions for Jeff Logman on social media before we get out of here on the other side as well. Put a bow on a Check the Tape Tuesday edition of Jaguars today here on 1010XL. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday on Jaguars Today is brought to you by Famous Automotive Tire and Quick Lube, servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. Tony Smith, Mike Dempsey, Jeff Lagerman, and E.T. here with you on a Check the Tape Tuesday edition of Jaguars Today. Got a few more questions on social media that we'll throw out at Jeff Lagerman here in just the, the final few minutes that we have with him. 
this week and get an update on what's going to be happening for the rest of the week for him on the broadcast schedule. But before we do that, as we do each day here on Jaguars Today, here is a 1010 take. 10 10 take now the 10 10 take with mike dempsey brought to you by northern tool start solving your projects today at northerntool.com we're made for this all right logs as we do on tuesday we like to give you the opportunity to give us your take on a jaguars question so i'd like to get your thoughts on travis Etienne and ball security he was not charged with any fumbles against the jets last week but more than one occasion, that ball kind of popped loose in his grip, and he had to re-catch it, uh, so to speak. Uh, you saw guys very early in that game, rather than trying to tackle Travis Etienne, were trying to tackle the football. How concerned should Jaguar fans be with Etienne's ball security right now? Well, I think you got to be a little bit concerned, and I think that that's something that the coaches are preaching to Travis and making him aware of because he's had five fumbles on the year. He's lost three of them. The ball kind of got loose again this past game against the Jets, and you're starting to see a concerted effort by the opponents at really going after the ball, and that's part of the deal. You put it on the ground a couple times, just like Derrick Henry has put it on the ground a couple times. Now people are going to start pulling and ripping at the ball with him, although it's a little bit different with him because he's such a big load. Um, but Travis has got to be aware of that, and they've been preaching it to him, you know, high and tight, kind of that philosophy. Uh, two hands when you have an opportunity to cover the covered up, and uh, and he's got to be better. He's got to secure it. That's there's no doubt. What are your expectations for him going up against a Houston run defense that has been pretty poor throughout much of the year? But what are your expectations for ETN this week specifically? Well, if if Lovey plays his cover two defense, then you've got to run into it a little bit. You know, when when teams play cover two and uh, they're not inserting a safety up into the line of scrimmage or uh, the box area to help stop the running game, you need to make them pay a little bit. And so it would be great if ETN can have a big game as far as on the ground, and obviously it would take a lot of pressure off of the other parts of and aspects of their offense, and so I hope he has a big day. There, There's going to be plenty of opportunities this week against this defense to have success running the ball. What, a question here on social media from Andrew who asks, what's the coaching staff saying to keep this young team focused? You were part of that team in 96, right, who made that run coming down the stretch. You talked about the nerves and how different it felt when you got to that last week of the season going up against Atlanta. How much of that getting the team refocused is about the coaching staff and how much at this time of year when you're making the kind of run they're making right now, is it on the players in that room to hold one another accountable? Well, it's on everybody, and that's I think that's the great thing with with Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, he's a young player, and so normally you say, okay, you know, the veteran guys really have to show the leadership, you know, which I think the Jaguars have a, a great selection of veterans. You know, the guys that they brought in have been able to step into leadership roles immediately, and then Trevor, I think, has always been a leader, a, a quiet leader, and I think he's starting to feel a little bit more comfortable in that leadership role because, you know, it's hard to have – leadership or to be a leader until you've had some success as a player and then when you start to have success then you feel more comfortable in that role so I think they've got leadership you know and great leadership from the coaching staff the guys that have been there guys that understand what it takes to win in this scenario so I think they'll be fine in that from that standpoint and sometimes it's nice to maybe change the schedule up a little bit just to keep things fresh 
and guys on their toes. And, uh, and this week I think is going to be a little bit of that for this team because I think the Tax Flare Bowl is going to alter the schedule a little bit mm. from that standpoint because of the game preparation. Yeah, they'll is be out at be, Episcopal, yeah. Uh, yeah, at a different spot. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it, we'll see how much it hurts or helps them um, getting ready for this week to get out of that kind of mold, plus the holiday weekend. So you had a long time to get ready uh, for this one against nice, Houston as well. Oh, man, you aren't kidding. <laughs> Big thank you to the NFL schedule makers. It's the best Thursday night ever. Thursday night yeah. game opening Christmas, week, Christmas weekend up. That was uh, fantastic. Yeah, now it looked like a late-season Thursday night game. I mean, those guys looked <laughs> exhausted. Uh, playing that football game. I I actually tweeted out about it right as the game ended. I don't think I've ever seen a December game with that many playoff implications that looked more like a preseason game yeah. than that one did last Thursday. I mean, the Jets' offense just had absolutely no answers. Do you have any kind of sense? You mentioned that you're going to have to run ETN a little bit this week going up against Houston, given what they do defensively. And it's been kind of a bouncing ball when it comes to who's the hot hand mm-hmm. in the in the receiving room. Um, for the Jaguars week to week, do you have any guess based on what Houston does as to who that might be this week? Uh, n- no, I mean, I, you know, and I think the coaching staff does a great job of changing it up from week to week. You know, there's been games to where the targets for Christian Kirk have been exceptionally high, and in other games it's been Ingram, other games it's been Zay, and the coaches will tell you that okay. It seems like it's just been – that's just the way it's kind of worked out. Well, I, I think there's times that they believe that they can attack with certain guys. This past game, I think Ingram was a perfect example. I think they went in that game saying, hey, look, we need to target Ingram a whole bunch because of the weather, mm-hmm. because of the Jets' talent that they had at the corner position and at the nickel position. And they took great advantage of the safety linebacker matchups with Evan Ingram. And then Evan obviously took advantage of even – the matchup against Sauce Gardner, but this coaching staff does a great job of game planning, and I don't see any reason whatsoever that uh, they won't come up with an excellent plan this week as well. And the second game typically can give you an opportunity to change things up a little bit. And so it'll be interesting to see if Lovey stays with the same concept that he did in the first game, or will he change it up a little bit? This has been a defense that has had – Issues rushing the passer over the course of basically the whole season, but specifically getting any kind of pressure up the middle has been an issue for them uh, throughout the year. It feels to me like when they give Devon Hamilton expanded opportunities to be that guy in the middle that he takes advantage of it as much or more than anybody else at least on that defensive front right now, Can should we expect that he continues to see those opportunities expand for him here down the stretch? Well, I hope. I hope so, and with Fadakasi's ankle being a, a question mark, you know, give him more snaps. I, I thought I think he's doing a very good job, and I think Roy Robertson Harris has picked his game up at just the right time too. I think he he, he the last two weeks Roy has played really well, mm-hmm. really well, and that's good to see. And Gotsis has gotten some opportunities because of the injury to Fadakasi, and Gotsis is a productive player. I don't know if there's a more productive player inside than maybe Devon Hamilton than Gotsis himself. So okay. I hope he continues to get opportunities uh, up front. You know, the the one thing I will say, man, I'm really sad for Smoot. You know, and that uh, loss for the year, in a year I think he was in a contract year, 
Loved the player that he was, loved the energy, and so it's it's, gonna, it's disappointing for him and Cam both that they're not going to be able to play in these last two games given the importance of these two games. And that's uh, that's always a little bittersweet, you know, and from the, those guys' standpoint. And, that, look, you know, injuries happen, and you want to say, okay, well, let's move on next man up mentality. But at the same token, I mean, these are the guys that help get you there. Right. And they've been a, been a part of this team for – the last couple of years, they've been a part of the lean years, and you want them to be able to enjoy the, the great years and to enjoy this moment and be able to play in this moment. And so uh, sad a little bit for those two guys that are not going to be able to play. Yeah, and it's um obviously much better to have an Achilles injury now than it was, for instance, when you were playing. Well, and, and uh, you know, I had a long conversation with Kevin Kaplan about this whole surgery and the process of it back in the preseason because of James Robinson. Sure. And the advancements that they have made uh, is incredible. They yeah. have this they have this tool that they use that actually is used on both sides of the tear to help reattach the Achilles without actually sewing where the break is at. It's actually sewing the other parts of it, and then getting the right laxity in the Achilles so that it's a perfect match to the other side. The the, the process of it in this. It's it's almost like a uh, uh, a sewing kit kind of thing that they use to right, make sure yeah. that it's perfect and it's a, the the process of it is interesting. It's way more advanced than it's used to be, and that's why you're seeing guys come back from Achilles injuries. And for years, that was like the kiss of death yeah. for a career, unless you were a quarterback the like Achilles Dan Marino, who could yeah, jump around yeah. with it. You yeah. know, so. No so Smoot's going to have a good chance of coming back, and I hope he makes it back 100%. Where will we be able to catch you through the rest of this week, Jeff? Got the Jaguars Happy Hour with J.P. Shadrick and then the Doug Peterson Show this week Thursday. And then Jaguars All Access Thursday, the weekend show. We'll do the film room with Mike Caldwell on the uh, Cisco uh, sack there at the beginning of the ball game against mm-hmm. the Jets. And then, of course, game day on Sunday, outdoor show on Saturday. Looking forward to it all. I will talk to you again on Sunday. You got it, Tony. Enjoy your week heading into the uh, new year as we turn our attention and say hello to XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL on track with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. As we welcome in Leon Searcy. What's going on, big Leon? What's going on, Tony? How was the Christmas? How was your holidays? It I was, was going to ask you the same. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, eggnog. No. Turkey. No. Dressing. No, no. We did prime rib. Prime, oh, oh, that's big time. Yeah, man. yeah. we did the prime rib. And Christmas Eve is always the one time of year my mom makes the spaghetti spaghetti. Like, it's the takes it a couple days to make it. Not this quickie stuff. Nothing. Uh, we mm. never had spaghetti. A lot of out love of a can. in it. What yeah, you're saying yeah, is a lot yeah, of yeah. love and time. It's my favorite meal right. of the year. I can uh, dig spaghetti it. I can on dig Christmas it. I can Eve. Dig it. Hey, I got. I got to share you guys yeah. with you guys what we did. It was something different. And, and are you a ham guy, Leon? I've been. I've been known to partake. In. Okay. <laughs> I'm a ham guy. Yeah. <laughs> I got a. I got a spiral cut ham yeah. from Captain Captain Kirk Waltz for Christmas, right? Mm. Uh-huh. And so we put it on the smoker with uh, with apple pellets, right? And uh, and got it all warmed up. And at the very end, we took strawberry and peach preserves and slathered the whole thing and then jumped the heat up 
mm-hmm. where it caramelized yeah, that yeah, yeah. on the outside oh. of the ham and it gave it a little sweetness on the outside. I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you, that was one of the best <laughs> hams I have ever had because it had the smokiness. Yeah. And then it had the sweetness as well. No doubt. Candied ham is what it was. You a candied it was ham. Un- candied ham, right? unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. It's not bad. That sounds good. Whatever though. little bit you partake in yeah. ham, maybe a little bit bigger. With that kind of candied ham yeah, on the plate. Exactly. <laughs> and the best part about a spiral cut ham, I mean, how many times do you eat it for the next couple of days? Oh, for sure. The sandwiches Forever, right? are Forever, best. Yeah. And the sandwiches afterwards. The yeah. sandwiches. But here's oh. the bonus. The wife made collard greens. Mm-hmm. So we had leftover spiral cut ham. We had greens mm-hmm. and cornbread casserole to eat for like the next two, three days. For sure. Oh, my God. Yeah, wow. <laughs> for sure. It's still going. Wow. It's not done. <laughs> Holiday season is not done. We'll start doing that like every couple weeks. Yeah, why wow. not? Uh, what do you got coming up today on Prime Time? Oh, uh, well, we, playoff pitch. Jags, number They're four, 4C, hosting. Yeah. Sounds like 96 to me, uh-huh. except for the hosting part. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if they can get it done. A yeah, couple more absolutely. weeks to lock that in. All right, Leon, we'll be listening for the next Appreciate three hours. Appreciate it. Thank uh, there goes Leon Searcy, XL Primetime, coming up from noon to 3 right here on 1010XL. The honest Simon Dempsey. We'll talk to you again yeah, tomorrow, man. man. Yeah. All right, Tony, great job. All right, thank you very much. So, for Mike Dempsey, for myself, Tony Smith, for Jeff Logman, for ET, that'll do it for us here on this Check the Tape Tuesday on Jaguars Today on 1010XL. Go Jacksonville! Go!